we'd sit there with her mates and they just sit, they wouldn't be speaking enough of like, there are six people there and they just weren't making, and it unnerved me. It's like, why is it me? Why are you not talking about things? Like we go to six people in the UK, it's like, it's difficult to get a word in. Do you know what I mean? People are like, blah, 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 blah. The boat leaves at five. Six, five thirty-five. There's people vomiting in the corridor outside, so they go full on. They've had karaoke in the libraries, on trains, everywhere. Kicks off. It's quite tranquil, and then as the night, as the night picks off, there's people dancing on tables. Everyone goes absolutely mental to really bad singing. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode. I met this guest exactly a year ago in sunny and hot Helsinki, Finland for my video singles guide to Finland. Joel is originally from the UK, but now lives in Helsinki and runs a popular Instagram account, Very Finnish Problems, where he shares hilarious memes and videos. So welcome to Joel. Great to have you here. Really excited to continue our conversation about Finnish culture because last time we saw each other, we really had to rush. I think we had like I don't know, 20, 30 minutes to film. I can't believe it's a year ago. Is it li- literally exactly a year ago? It's more now. It's a Is year it? and, and a month. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was going to say, because when we met, it was dark, gray and miserable. And now it's like dark, <laughs> like snowy and <laughs> miserable. Well, it's not miserable. Actually, today it's snowed like really heavily. And uh, yeah, it's quite beautiful. So the first day when the snow comes, it's really beautiful. And you think, oh, magical winter wonderland. And then day two, you've got to dig your car out. So it's like suddenly the magic disappears. But I'm sure you're aware of that in Toronto, aren't you? Don't you get lots of lots of snow? No. I hate to disappoint you. No way. I am. We have different parts of the country, which is Toronto. Like it it does. It's disgusting. Don't get me wrong. Like I hate this weather. I absolutely loathe the winter, (laughs) but it doesn't snow that much. Like if you go to Montreal or like uh, northern part of Canada, we have obviously the the northern territories and like colder parts, Winnipeg, like some really dark, depressing places. But Toronto is in comparison to that, like decent. It doesn't snow much. Yeah, I lived in Vancouver for like a year, so I, I thought I typically, my perception of what Canada was like was totally demolished there because I managed to move to the one place on earth that's rainier than the UK, uh, so winter it just rained continuously. But um, yeah, I don't know why I thought Toronto actually because I've been to Toronto as well and it was also raining when I arrived there. So yeah, I just naturally assumed in winter. But you're quite you're actually further south, aren't you, Toronto than Vancouver? Actually, like fun fact, Toronto and Rome are built on the same All right, latitude, yeah. Latitude, yeah. So I think the only difference is that we don't have uh well, I guess Rome doesn't. I mean, they don't really have mountains, but something I heard yeah, it's about the like stream, isn't it? There's a lot of it, weird things like, like that. If you compare Europe to North America, there are lots of places that are really hot in Europe and quite chilly and miserable in, in North America. Yeah. So, and you you happen to be there, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you so much. Congratulations <laughs> back to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. One it's a competition. Two. It's a competition. Who has it worse? <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the winter since we started with that. I mean, how how does Finnish winter, how does that feel like? When does it start getting dark? And what do you do to not lose your mind, essentially? Uh, yeah, it's a great question because it's a, it's a thing I discussed literally 24, I mean, basically before winter starts, I'm like, yeah, this year I am ready for winter. 24 hours later, I'm just like, oh, no. So, I mean, it's basically start, it's start November's probably, I would argue November's the worst because typically November doesn't have any redeeming features. It's like the Monday of the year. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, 
it's just dark and grey, especially in the in the north. It can be a bit different because I mean, as soon as the snow falls, then the the it's the darkness rather than the the weather as such because it's just so all encompassing. Like I took my dog for a walk last night by the by the uh, by the sea, and by about five thirty. I was walking through the forest and it was like Mordor in like Lord of the Rings. It was just like, it was just so dark. It was just different shades of dark. And all I saw was like, yeah, gray, dark, white. And then people coming towards me with like hoods up like this. So it was, yeah, it was quite bleak. But then, yeah, today it snowed and it's totally different. It's quite magical. And, and Helsinki is a really beautiful city in the snow. So it all it's all to do with the snow, I think. Ultimately, when the quicker it snows, the less traumatic it is until it gets to the stage where it's been snowing for like months. And when I, I, it starts off in say like now, the first day of snow in November, like, whoa, super happy. And when there's still snow in April, you're just like, man, I hate snow. <laughs> Such a vengeance. So at the moment I'm in the, I'm happy snow is here phase. Yeah, that's how I feel about snow. Like whenever I'm in a hot place and I look at those, you know, they do those TikTok videos and those Instagram videos come Christmas, like look at Strasbourg in, in France and it's snowing and it's all Christmassy and you're like, man, I love this weather. I want it to snow. And then you get snow and it's nice and then it melts and then you get the slush. And yeah, then it's just that's that's miserable. You know, oh man, there's so many, there's so many degrees of misery when it comes to. I tell you, for me, the worst. I mean, I could go. I literally could do like four hours on the on the miseries of slush. <laughs> <laughs> we could do be here all week, but I think I think I mean, there's so many different types of like unpleasant weather when when the snow starts to melt. But one of the worst in Finland is you'll get slush, so it'll get really slushy and like mushy and horrible, and then it'll freeze that night and you wake up the next morning and it's like the whole world is an ice rink. And like, if you've got a dog that really pulls, you're in so much trouble. You're like, you just, if he, if he pulls you, you're off, you're down, you're gone. I mean, like, so I, the, the last thing I invested in last, the, the, the best thing I invested in last year was a pair of I, uh, spiked trainer type shoes. And now I'm like Spider-Man. I could just grip to anything. And that totally changes the whole winter, the winter walking. But yeah, I mean, slush, ice, all that sort of stuff. And the snow thing is is beautiful. But, then you, so, but not, once you scrape beneath the surface, there's lots of other variables. What do you do to not lose your mind? I mean, what do Finnish people do in the winter? How do they stay sane i mean i've heard something about sad lamps is that a thing in in finland yeah you can get like uh, big like sun lamp things which i mean my typically what i used to do uh, and this is my top tip when november kicked in was just to leave <laughs> so I, would go to, <laughs> I would just go to spain my mum used to live in andalusia <laughs> so i would go down to like alicante i'd go to like Bar i mean malaga it's beautiful barcelona and and that was beautiful. That actually worked brilliant. I'd stay there from often from November till December for a month or so. And sometimes Tenerife I'd go to, which is like another sort of uh, in the sort of North in the Atlantic bit. But basically um, stay there for about a month, five weeks and then come back. And then I go again in sort of March time. But now my children are too old, so I can't take them out of school that long. Um, so thanks, kids. So, so now the flying away to sunshine options out the window. Um, another, so now what I do is a cane chocolate is a good shout. Like not, not the healthiest option. Uh, I also do karate. So I do a lot of, got quite a lot of sports. Um, 
And I did invest a couple of years ago in the biggest sun lamp that you can find. It's literally, yeah, it's like, oh, you can't, I can't really show it on your screen, but um, I'm trying to, it's like a sort of wok size. Imagine a big wok. And I was quite skeptical about these sun lamps, but I fired it up in the kitchen and it's just like, it's like you're on the beach. It's amazing. It's just a different type of light. So I literally sit in that for about eight hours a day. And that definitely, definitely helps. So yeah, sun sort of, um, there is a word, there is a, there is a name for it. Some sort of like, yes, it's like a lack of sunshine sickness, basically. And that definitely, definitely is a thing. So sun lamps, chocolate and martial arts are my, are my top tips. Nice. So fake sun, taking your anger out and getting the sugar intake. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Lots of kicking and punching. My son also comes to karate with me. So it's an opportunity for me to legally punch and kick him and he could do the same to me. Uh, yeah. So that, and that, that combination seems to do the job and also counting the days until we're back in spring. I mean, I hate to like, you know, wish away time, but I am very, very clear in my mind that that uh, the winter equinox, so the shortest day, is about, I think it's December the 22nd. So as soon as we get there, then we're on the pathway to sunshine again. Do you feel that fins get different? Like, do they get depressed in the winter? Do you see any difference in the way they behave? Oh, yeah. I mean, you'd have to be like, I mean, you'd have to be very, very, almost like insanely cheerful, or maybe just insane to be like, be able to keep up the cheerful attitude to, in winter. I mean... It's just so, I mean, that's the thing I actually quite liked about Finland when I first came here is the very dramatic differences in seasons. Like in fin in the UK, we have like two seasons, which is basically summer and rain and a bit of fog. So here there are very distinct seasons and Finnish people are very distinctly different in each season. I mean, summer and winter, I mean, it's totally different. I mean, you know, ultimately when it's minus 10 or 20 or minus 30, you are not hanging around outside. You're wanting to get home and get into the warmth as quickly as possible. Whereas in summer, it doesn't get dark. I mean, it gets, you know, it gets dark like 12, one o'clock in the morning. Um, and so you have, and so people don't really, you, know, you just stay out up as much. You don't sleep as much. And the, the quality of the sunlight and summer in, in Finland or in the Nordics in general, it's, it's just so beautiful. I mean, even just like the way that, you know, the sort of, the brightness and so it's just a, it's literally polar opposites you couldn't get more different and that is inevitably sort of reflected in how people are i mean in summer everyone's just like skipping down the street it's just like yeah and here and, and in winter everyone's just like curled up in a ball in about 15 layers of clothes desperate to get indoors yeah it's interesting when i was i was in sweden this summer and in norway and I, this is the first time that i've i've experienced I guess uh, polar nights, but I can't really exactly say that they were polar nights. I'm not really sure if that was that's the case, but um, it would get dark around like 1 a.m. Something like basically like what you just said. And it's really weird what that does to you, because when it's, let's say, 12 a.m. and it's still kind of light outside, you actually don't want to sleep because you have a feeling yeah. it's eight o'clock and you're like, oh, I can just I can go on forever, you know, and then you get the extreme darkness because in the winter, like what time does it get dark at the moment? Uh, at the moment, it's getting dark about three, about twenty to four. Wow! So it gets. I think the latest it gets. It was. I'm quite. I mean, Helsinki is far south, so it's really as far south as you can go. So I think probably the earliest it will get dark is about is about maybe twenty past three, and it will get light about nine. 
So you have about six hours of daylight. But I mean, if you go to Lapland, I mean, they're now currently, they've now started their three month period of darkness, which I mean, I have no, no idea how people handle that. My mother-in-law, she lived in Lapland. She was a teacher up there when she was young, stayed there for a year. And um, yeah, in the summer, they have three months days of, you know, of, of, sun, of daylight. So it's also totally bizarre. I mean, she was once washing her windows uh, in the house she was in. And some bloke walked down the street and like, Rita, what are you doing? Um, she goes, I'm washing my windows. She goes, like 3 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> she had no, no idea. It's just like the sun's up all the time. So and you'd think that'd be quite cool. But I've been to Lapland in the summer thinking, oh, how cool it would be to experience nonstop daylight. But after about two days, I had my head wrapped. I had sunglasses on, head wrapped in a towel, pillows against the window because you can't sleep. It's a nightmare. So, yeah, I've, I don't know how people live there, to be honest. Um, I mean, it's beautiful, but it's very, very extreme. Yeah, 100%. So for anyone that doesn't know about you, obviously a lot of people know you through Instagram and your memes and, and, uh, and videos. Tell us a little bit about why you came to Finland and how long you've been here. Uh, yeah, I mean, before, well, it's, it was, it, when I first came here, there were two reasons people came to the fit to Finland typically uh, it was either met a Finnish woman or they worked for Nokia some people worked for, did both but mine was a lady I used to live in London I went to university there and actually when I just after I graduated I lived in Vancouver and uh, when I came back from Vancouver I got a job working in advertising and I was in a club in South London dancing and some I got a tap on the shoulder turn around beautiful blonde woman in like a golden sparkly dress and she just like buy me a beer <laughs> like very forward <laughs> just like uh, so I did buy a beer and then I asked her back to my for a cup of tea after the cup closed she said no and then next time she did yes and then we got together and it was weird actually because when I first met her I was physically very I always had a bit of a weakness for blonde so I was very physically attracted to her she was quite exotic and a bit elf-like and you know sort of Nordic obviously and so I was physically attracted to her but like on a sort of per, on a sort of mental level, I, I we just she wasn't couldn't get didn't know sarcasm. All of my gags were falling flat. She wasn't laughing when she was meant to laugh. She was laughing when she wasn't meant to laugh. So I was like, I thought this is no way this is going to last. But yeah, gradually we get to know each other, and we lived with each other in London for what about four years, I think. And then we, she started, she was working, she was at university then, but she got a job in advertising as well. I was working for a magazine and we both got like a bit disillusioned with our jobs, even though, I mean, they were, they were great in many ways. More, more disillusioned with London, actually, even though I love London. I mean, working there is, can be, can be a bit of a challenge. I worked in Soho, right in the heart of London. It was, it was a great place to work, but it's just a hassle getting to work and blah, blah, blah. So then we both uh, got rid of our jobs and we did this round the world trip, Southeast Asia, Australasia, South America for like a year. And then I specifically planned the route so we'd always be in sunshine. So, and I even planned to come back in July. So we had the greatest chance of there being sun. So we would follow the sun for a year. And then I arrived back in Heathrow in July, battleship grey cloud drizzle. I was like, oh man. So I get there and I said, like, let's go to Finland. I had been to Finland a few times beforehand. But let's go to Finland. I get there in 2002, and it was the hottest summer in 300 years. And I'm like, whoa, let's stay here. And it was going, not normally like this. I was like, no, let's stay. So I was going to stay for a year. Uh, and then I ended up staying for like three years. 
and then basically got a job doing copywriting, working for Nokia, doing like ad, advertising agency stuff. She did as well. Uh, and then after about three or four years, we got bored again. So we went to Peru and we lived in the Andes for a year. And then we traveled for another sort of four or five months. Uh, and then we came back to Finland and then we had children. <laughs> and that's why I'm still here, basically. So, yeah, I didn't, I thought I'd be here for a year. And now I've been here for almost 20, incredibly. It's so funny that your biggest goal was to be in the sun as much as possible. <laughs> the cruel irony of life, isn't it? And I say to people, I came to Finland for the weather and nobody believes me. Yeah, it's weird because when I was a kid, my parents were like real sun worshippers. And they said, we'd, our holidays were always the south of France, Saint-Tropez, Greek islands, Spain, all the Mediterranean, basically. And I, my holidays were all going to beaches, laying on beaches, snorkeling, all sunshine. Never would we ever go anywhere skiing? I mean, I couldn't even ski until I came here. So, yeah, snow. I mean, I've always, you know, quite like snow. In the UK, when it snows, we always get like at least three or four days off. So it was like, yeah, it's brilliant. But like, yeah, never in my wildest dreams did I ever think I would end up going somewhere colder and snowier and darker than the UK. Yeah, I love that you came to Helsinki and you you didn't do, it seems like you didn't do much research and you just expected it was going to continue be, yeah. being hot like this. Like Finland, it must be a hard country. Yeah, I mean, I sort of knew there was winter was coming, but it seemed so distant. And I just thought, oh, I mean, I always liked... I've always liked sort of moving to different countries just because I like to be sort of challenged by, I like the mundane to be interesting. Do you know what I mean? Like going to the post office can be, when going to the post office is a challenge, it just makes life more sort of like, you know, life more intriguing. And that's why I've moved and lived in different places. So if, you know, if it wasn't for the children, then I probably would have moved somewhere else before this. And like, you know, Finland's got such, I don't want to blame the kids. <laughs> But, but yeah, Finland's got sort of a very good education system, a lot of going through when it comes to having children. So yeah, I just didn't expect I'd have to suffer many winters. I thought one winter, maybe two. And what the first winter was like, wow, this is crazy. I go outside and my fate, my eyelashes freeze together. And oh, how crazy is this? I go outside. And I can't feel my hands anymore. This is wacky. By winter number three, I was like, man, make it end. So, how many winters has it been now? Well, as I said, I went to Peru, so it's probably been about 18 or 19. Low. I mean, yeah. 19 winters. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I do go away for winter as well, as I said beforehand. So maybe, as I said, I've been here probably almost 20 years. Um, it's interesting, though, that like you mentioned the first date uh, when you just started dating your then-girlfriends and the the sense of humor, because, I mean, the Brit Brits are known for their great sense of humor, sarcasm, banter, all that kind of stuff. How do you find like overall, has there been a huge culture shock when it comes to communication with Finns? You know, when it comes to humor or directness or anything like that? Yeah, I mean, I mean, there we, have, we do share certain characteristics. I mean, like, you know, Northern Europeans do share certain things in common because, I mean, I think in that sense, I've always been of the opinion that weather really, really contributes heavily to national character and while um our weather in the uk is is very different to finnish weather but there, there's a lot of commonalities i mean we both have quite shocking you know like i mean it's, it's cold it's colder than more than it is sunny and warm so but uh yeah i mean the, the british character is i mean you can talk even about english character in comparison to the other nations of the uk but like uh, it's very different in terms of like 
well, basically every element. I mean, English people talk lots, typically. I mean, of course, you know, by inevitably, I'm generalising, but I think uh, stereotypes do have a basis, in fact. And like, I even see that when I go back to the UK, like I'll go to a shop and go to the supermarket, buy some stuff, go to Teal, and like, they're like, all right, darling, how's it going? All oh, the weather's terrible. What have you been up to? I don't know this person. I'm literally putting my things through the beeping machine. So, and I used to think when I first came here, how oh, the small talk thing is quite superficial and and a bit like, not annoying, but like no one really cares how you are. Um, but now I quite like it, actually. I go, I've gone back and I felt fallen back in love with the UK a little bit. It just feels like, even though they don't necessarily mean it, it's just like, it just makes life nicer when people speak to you and call you darling and dear and duck and, and like all these different sort of like nice ways of talking to you. So whereas in Finland, it's, yeah, small talk, and this is also a bit of a cliche, but it is true. I mean, they just don't indulge in like idle chit chat to the same extent. And they're a lot more comfortable with silence. Like when I first arrived, yeah, I found it really difficult to, and even when I met my girlfriend in London and we go to, I didn't know any Finnish people until we met and I went out of them like to the pub and we're just sitting there and she's like a gregarious Finn. Her family are gregarious, like they're up, outgoing and they're not very, not sort of stereotypically Finnish, but like uh, we'd sit there with her mates and they just sit, they wouldn't be speaking enough of like, there are six people there and they just weren't making, and it unnerved me. It's like, why is it me? Why are you not talking about things? Like we go to six people in the UK. It's like, it's difficult to get a word in. Do you know what I mean? People are blah, 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 blah. So yeah, that is a bit of a shock. And did, did you feel like it was up to, to you to entertain people? Because that's how I feel usually when people are really shy and timid. I'm like, okay, someone needs to take charge and entertain these people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah a bit like a juggling chimp yeah I was like yeah I did I just because I couldn't bear the silence it'd be like it made me uncomfortable I'd be like cold sweating I'd go to like family parties and they'd be like like 10 old grannies sitting around in silence just sipping coffee and eating cake and I like, come on why are we here if we're not communicating why are we even bothering do you know what I mean so yeah I felt that a lot and but now actually I actually did an interview uh, today actually with um is Hudfud Staden Pladet, which is terrible. It's a national newspaper, the Swedish, the biggest Swedish-speaking newspaper in Finland. I've just butchered the name, actually. So any people who are Swedish listening to that, I forgive me. But it's like, uh, and I was talking about this this whole silence thing, and um, yeah, I just it was it was a real struggle. But they were asking me how how Finnish I felt like since I've been here, and I was like, well, I would never be Finnish, but I've definitely gained Finnish characteristics, and I think one of those is the fact. That I'm comfortable in silence. I can sit in silence and I don't start getting cold sweats and make excuses to go to the toilet, which I think is a life skill. So, so yeah, it's interesting for to to me to hear that you're comfortable in silence because you're one of the most like gregarious, open, you know, chatty people that I've met, and uh, I think it's maybe the fact that you know that they're comfortable with it because a lot of times when it's like you're with another person and especially if you don't know them well you feel like you need to fill up the space with the chatter yeah that's how i feel you know but if you know that someone's like super comfortable with it then you think well maybe it is comfortable and then you kind of feel better about it do you know what i mean so i think it's it's that they don't have an issue with it so maybe yeah. you have less of an issue with it yeah absolutely because i think if people are silent and not talking they're just bored 
They're just bored of being with me. And I need to come and think of some entertaining thing to inspire them to engage. And also my background is, I mean, I studied history at university, but I, my background after, I basically studied history and creative writing. I did London School of Journalism and University of Greenwich. And, and when I left work, I basically got a job in sales. And that initially, like ad sales, and that basically involved talk, uh, questioning people and getting them to speak. Like getting, it was a bit like in the same way we, if you trained journalism, it's like asking questions, open questions and getting them to speak. And when someone wasn't speaking uh, or wasn't engaging with my questions, it felt like failure as well. So in that sense, it's just like I've sort of been trained to get people to speak. And when they don't speak, it feels like I'm failing them. But now, of course, like, you know, it's not like uh, I don't feel I have to wring it out of them. And also, if they've got nothing of interest to say, why, why bother saying it? Yeah, they do have a saying silence is what is it silence Silence is gold so yeah silence is gold no what is it talking is silver yeah exactly yeah i've actually got a t-shirt of my merch shop veryfinishedproblems.com listeners if you want some merch yeah (laughs) and that is a t-shirt which is silence is gold oh silence is gold and duct tape is silver and it's got a person with like tape over their mouth so that's actually quite popular actually quite popular in north america because there's loads of like North Americans who claim Finnish ancestry in Canada as well, actually, around like the Great Lakes. Um, about 750 North Americans in, in the US who say consider call themselves Finnish Americans and they love like very Finnish problem stuff. So, yeah, I sell a lot of mer- and my books. I sell a lot of books there as well. Um, I really love your Finnish merch. It's hilarious. I actually went through your T-shirts. I don't know where you came up with those slogans, but they're just they're, they're gold. Yeah, I mean, the slogans, because that's what I did as a copywriter, was all like slogans and ad campaigns. So it's just literally putting on a T-shirt. But they're fun to do, actually. And it's weird, actually. The ones you think are going to be the best sellers, quite often, like my best-selling T-shirt just says nonine, which is like this Finnish phrase for like, it's sort of like an all-encompassing phrase. It's a bit like how Canadians go, eh, you know, at the end of every sentence. It's a bit like that. It's like this phrase you can use. For everything. What have you noticed uh, that is really important for Finns to live a great life? Like, I know one of the things is space and having summer cottages. Is there anything that you've noticed that where you're like, Finns really need a lot of this in their life? Yeah, I mean, summer cottages and space is definitely up there. And, and it's sort of the nature. I mean, I'm from the countryside. I'm from like a place called Sudbury in Suffolk, which is... Which is, I mean, my local football team, who I quite passionately support since the age of seven, is called Ipswich Town. And their nickname uh, is the Tractor Boys. So that that gives you an idea of where I'm from. It's all sort of farms and, um, yeah, like beautiful. They're very quintessential English villages with thatched cottages, cricket on the green, like as you imagine, picture postcard. And uh, so I'm from the countryside. But here they take countryside to a whole new level of like, I mean, literally in summer, I mean, you go if you go to, on on um, Johannes, which is midsummer. The whole every city in Finland is quite. I don't know how bad. I don't know how. Probably in, in Sweden as well. They have they celebrate midsummer, but basically everyone leaves the city and goes to the forest. It's the only time in Finland that you're guaranteed that the roads will have a traffic jam because everyone's leaving the city to go to the forest. And there are something like half a million summer cottages, which are basically little cottages in the forest by a lake. Um, in the middle of nowhere and they're brilliant i mean i go totally feral when i go to mine i could literally go there start, start like grow a massive bat bat bag massive beard get a stick 
killing fish, berried picking, mushrooms, brilliant. So I think that's a great way. They, they're really very much in touch with nature um, to a different extent to what I'm like. I mean, I'm from, as I said, I'm from the countryside, but in the UK, there's very few places you can get lost and die. Just <laughs> like, do you know, what I mean? you can't go off and wander off into the wilderness. Where I'm from, it's like a well-kept garden. I mean, you probably in, in the Highlands of Scotland, in parts of Wales, the Yorkshire Dales, maybe parts of Cornwall. But here, I can leave Helsinki in twenty kilometres and find a forest to get lost in and get eaten by a bear. So it's like, it's quite, it's a very different, it's a very different type of wilderness. So forest, space. I mean, sauna is absolutely. I mean, it's a cliche, but there are some ridiculous five million saunas here and yeah i mean those are those are um and winter sports stuff like that i mean all the things that you hear about that are sort of cliched finish things to do are very sort of essential to finish well-being i think it's funny that you mentioned that the nature can actually kill you because i just put a reel up recently and it was a finnish woman living in brazil she got quite a lot of hate uh she's been living in brazil for 18 I years saw that video yeah right? interesting. yeah what did she get hate for well because she hated a bit on brazilians and i i think she was just dissatisfied with the fact quite complimentary to brazilians she yeah. wasn't, she wasn't are, they quite that, yeah. are they quite sensitive then to I feel I feel quite a lot of cultures tend to get sensitive when it's uh, I think when it's something negative. Actually, I haven't found that to be the case with most Europeans. But for whatever reasons, Brazilians they 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 get really upset really fast. But she she basically said that um, she felt uh, that you know like she didn't like the punctuality aspect of living in Brazil. But in the full video, she does say that uh, I ask her a question or we ask her a question. What do you think is happier, Brazil or Finland? And she says Finland after having spent 18 years in Brazil. And <laughs> uh, and she says the nature aspect aspect is so much better and then people are like what are you talking about we have amazon and she said well uh, nature in brazil can kill you whereas nature in finland is really nice and safe or whatever <laughs> now you mentioned the bears like <laughs> lady <laughs> but i think yeah i think what happened to her is she's been in brazil for too long she has kids so she feels she's a bit stuck and i think she's now missing those parts of finland she probably didn't resonate with to begin with like she probably must have been bored she hated the weather and you know maybe it was it felt a bit too silent for her so she left to the extreme polar like opposite of that which is rio but you start missing those things that are back in your country which is like everything works everything you know like you can make a plan and people go through with it people are not that flaky people say what they mean but i think that like if she goes back to finland she's gonna miss brazil because whenever you move you're just you're always in between two worlds you can never feel like you're home anywhere i think that's kind of the the, the hard part with moving somewhere but yeah she got a lot of hate with that with that comment uh in the full video she i wouldn't say she's negative about brazil but she's a bit fed up as someone who's been there for too long almost uh but so it's funny you say that and uh that's that's where the nature kind of comes into play yeah, that is strange. I mean, for her, she's probably got better forest skills than me. So, but I totally feel her, to her, her like uh, feeling that she's not at home anywhere. Like I've started to, I haven't, I mean, I've left the UK like over 20 years ago and I haven't ever really felt the urge to go back. I've been going back quite a lot recently and uh, for various like family reasons. And um, yeah, I've started to actually fall a bit back in love with the UK as well. And even envisage myself maybe like one day moving back. And I think it's a definite, but then I do feel like, you know, people have said to me, oh, like, you know, 
how finished you feel. And even though I haven't got finished citizenship, I've got residency and I could, I could, you know, if I did the language test, I could probably get citizenship. But I, the idea of me, I will never be like Finnish. And I feel like I'll never be like totally resonating with English people anymore because I've missed so much of like cultural things that have happened in the last 20 years. So I feel a bit like a, yeah, I sort of a stranger in, not a stranger, but a bit like a sort of, I don't feel like totally at home in either place whilst I sort of bestride to. So yeah, so I can I can relate to what she's saying there, but yeah, I, I had a, an interesting conversation with a person I know who's a friend, sort of like she's half Italian, half half Finnish, and her dad came to it came to Finland in the in the sixties. He's like eighty five or something, and she said to him like, "Papa, do you feel like Finnish or Italian now you've been here for so long?" And he's like, "What are you talking about? I'm Italian. I've always been Italian. It'll be Finnish." And he's been here for like sixty five years. I think it's an interesting insight into the whole sort of integration thing. Do you know what I mean? The idea that you have to integrate or which it sort of implies you have to become the nationality of the place you live. And not only, I just think it's deluded and unnecessary. Do you know what I mean? So, and yeah. obviously from her perspective, you're, Brazil, you're finish, finishing Brazil. I mean, she, it's like when I was in Peru. I mean, Peru and Finland, I mean, you couldn't get to more diametrically opposed sort of countries. And for me, like all the places I've lived in, I think I've picked up sort of traits of each and they've like influenced my personality. And everyone says to me, which country is the best country you've lived in or best country you've visited? And of course, every country has good and bad points. And, you know, I also get some, you know, throw, well, I get blowback if I go, if anyone sees me as being critical about Finland, they can, if I say positive things, everyone's like, yeah, brilliant. As soon as I say anything that's perceived as critical, it's like, Bruh. so yeah, I don't typically, some people, some countries are more sensitive about foreigners critiquing them. I think in the UK, you could definitely get, I mean, British people take the piss out of themselves all the time. And I mean, so I don't think there's such an issue, but I think it depends on, it definitely depends on the country. And it'd be interesting to know what the sort of unifying theme is that makes some countries more insecure about themselves. I mean, in Finland, it's quite a young country. And it, unlike vast, unlike many European countries it was colonized rather than being a colonizer so I think that you know that could have something to do with it and it's also got the big brother little brother thing with Sweden and and it's a bit like I think Finland in many ways is a bit like Scotland or or Ireland Ireland is to to the UK but yeah it's interesting I think Sweden is actually quite uh, in Norway as well I found they're 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 quite receptive to being criticized like I haven't had a lot of backlash and I created two videos one is this is the loneliest country in the world <laughs> and the other is <laughs> why it's so hard to find love in Sweden both yeah, are quite yeah, negative yeah. you know and I haven't like Swedes they mostly agreed with those videos like I haven't had any backlash from that uh it, it did happen in Brazil it could be because maybe the foreigners judging their country were from Europe. I'm not yeah, really maybe, sure. Yeah. But, the, but the thing is, I think it's also like if people are not so happy in their country, they might also be more uh, upset about things that might potentially be true because they're like, well, we're stuck here. We have to be here. We have no way of leaving. So don't tell us it's bad because we know yeah, it's yeah, bad. Yeah. Don't point out everything that is going wrong. But like, yeah, it makes sense. I think if it's your country, you it's your it's your thing. It's like someone criticizing your children. Yeah, like, exactly. I know they suck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not up to you to tell me my children are terrible. Yeah, I totally exactly. agree with that. I mean, I did a video like a sort of simple like uh, on Instagram thing, and it was about, and it was a bit like you know these sort of it was like a, you know I'm doing more of these sort of like video memes, and uh, it was one about like where I chose to live, 
and, the, and one of the things, and it had different categories about what the things were that I could have chosen, but I chose this other place. Um, I'm explaining it really badly. But basically, it was like, oh, I didn't go to the UK, which is well known for its amazing culture and stuff. And I got loads of people partying and going, UK culture? What a load of bollocks. The UK's got no culture. And I'm like, hang on, what are you talking about? The Shakespeare, like the beat, I mean, the music, literature. There's so much culture in the UK. And I got actually really quite offended, like Dickens, like, you know, there's so many like great novelists, great musicians, the history, the language. And I got, and I started to get like, I realized I started to get angry in the comments to the people who were like, it wasn't even about England. It was about like me coming to Finland. I just had that as one of the examples. So I can see how people do get like triggered. Um, oh, yeah. No, I totally they, get that. Mm. If they see it as your critic, the criticism is unjustified. But I mean, if it's justified, like probably the reason the Swedes weren't like piling in is because they know it's true. If you can, if you can know it's true and it's a valid point, then you're less inclined to like if people say to me, oh, yeah, I wouldn't go to the UK because like, you know, I hate fish and chips or the, or the, or the weather's terrible in November. I'm like, yeah, absolutely. But to say there's no culture in the UK, it's like, what? Come on. Well, that's simply not true. That's just not true. There's definitely no, a lot like, of culture. Yeah, People don't think before they post things that everyone's entitled to their opinion. And a lot of times I, I'm so close to answering back to say like, but then I think, oh, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. Yeah, because, right, you know, right. yeah, it's just uh, things get taken out of context. People get upset. They get upset. And, you know, the worst is creating uh, videos about countries that are big. Like, for example, India. No matter what I create about India, it's never correct because there's so many different parts to India yeah, cool. yeah, and yeah, they're yeah, all very different. And it's like, yeah. this person is not Indian. I'm like, they're speaking your language. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they speak yeah. English with an yeah. accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got so many different ethnicities, haven't they? It's such a massive like conglomeration yeah. of different places. So yeah, inevitably. Well, that's it. And, and you know what I think? I think, look, like in order to do anything right, like we have to be critical around cultures, because if we're just going to say Finland is the best place in the world, it's the happiest country in the world. I mean, look, uh, actually, that's the next question I'm going to ask you. Do you believe that Finland is the happiest country in the world? Do you believe that truly? Well, I mean, I've had so many, I've had been interviewed by so many different media outlets all over the world about this question. And it's going on for like six years. <laughs> Now, nobody believed it. I mean, just by virtue of the fact that, like, when you think the happiest country, you probably think of somewhere like Brazil. I mean, I've been in, traveled quite a lot around Brazil and, like, even anywhere in South America, actually, where, you know, the Catholic, typically they're Catholic, so there's loads of fiestas. And in Peru, they had, like, the, the indigenous sort of, like, festivals as well. So it's pretty much a party every day. So if you equate happiness with partying, dancing, fiestas, you know, like singing, then you would say, no, Finland is absolutely not the happiest country in the world. But if you dig deeper into that research, then you realize it's a lot more sort of nuanced than that. And I think, I think the word happy, it depends how you define the word. I think it would be a lot, make a lot more sense to be the most content people. But even that is surprising to me because like Finnish people moan quite a lot about a lot of stuff. They're quite entitled. I mean, you know, a lot of people in the Western Western Europe are entitled, you know, the Western world in general. I mean, we're very we're the most privileged people who have ever lived in the history, and we still moan about that our pillows are too high. So, I mean, you know, of course, um, of course, they have they have well, they don't they have very nice nice lives typically. Not everyone, but ultimately, they have reasons to be content. And I think if you could equate a happiness with being sort of secure, content, like um 
at ease with the with life and like knowing that you can you can thrive in the place you know you're not going to have to sell a kidney to get health care knowing you're not going to be homeless knowing your kids are going to get a decent education knowing you're going to have loads of holidays knowing you're going to get if you have children you have like six months like uh paternity paternity leave now i think it's like four or five months and maternity leave could be up to two years so they're probably happy in the sense that they know they're being looked after um by the state and they will not by the, well the, the society looks after you and it's very much the case that you don't you don't you're free of fear and worry i think is probably a long-winded way of saying saying so if that is that's how you equate happy then you know it's probably no surprise and it's also no surprise if you base it on that that all the other countries who are in this list are all like nordic they're all like sweden denmark norway and then you've got people like netherlands they're all like the northern like Ooh, the Northern Europeans, basically. Exactly. So, so true. Yeah. Whenever I look at those lists, I'm always skeptical. But but exactly, I 100% agree with you. Like it's it's not happiness. It's not like woo party. Yeah, it's like dance, down love. yeah it's totally exactly. It's more like quiet contentment about the fact that life is predictable, safe, and yeah, that there's nothing really to worry about. But whether or not that makes someone happy is that's another question. Because I mean, we know that like depression rates are through the roof, specifically in Western countries. Because when it takes you two hours to go get water or to go to the market to get some food, you, your brain is busy thinking about the task at yeah, hand. You don't yeah. have time to be like, <laughs> but am I really happy? Yeah, like yeah, that's exactly. that's not a question you yeah, ask yeah, yourself. Yeah. But, like when your base uh, needs are taken care of, that's when you have time to start complaining about this is wrong and that is wrong and you know what i mean so yeah you have a lot more time to ponder what it, what is the meaning of life and whether you're living a, a life worth living and all these sort of like very deep philosophical things but I, absolutely i mean i experienced that in peru when people are you know when you have to go and make sure you have enough food and drink and you know place to live then you haven't got time to worry about those things so it's interesting actually talking about nordic countries and uh, northern european countries being in that list canada and australia and new zealand ex like british empire countries like the british commonwealth countries also typically score quite highly while the uk is always a bit lower which i always thought how did we manage that how did we manage to export these systems which are doing quite well whereas we always I go wonder. a bit lower yeah, I, I wonder. Know. Yeah, I mean, if you come to Canada, most people are quite depressed. <laughs> I don't want to say most people, but quite a lot of people, to be honest. Especially after COVID, things are not looking that great. It's really expensive. Uh, people, I mean, the weather plays into it. You know, every, everything is so highly regulated. It's like all the fun is taken care of. I think all the fun is taken out of things. So, for example, going to get alcohol. We have the same system as. Uh, Sweden and I believe Finland. I mean that you government, can't get alcohol. Yeah, yeah, the government. Yeah, government yeah. exactly. So it, it's not the worst. I mean, I, I, I don't really. It doesn't affect me much whether or not I can get alcohol in that store in a regular store. Like I'm not much of a drinker, but I think just in general, like having fun is not. It, it's it's not. <laughs> there's not like much spontaneous fun, and I think yeah, that yeah, kind of yeah, relates yeah. to Finland as well. Yeah, no, it's so true. And that's, you know, harking back to Peru as well. That was an amazing thing about them. They would literally have a party for everything. I mean, any excuse to have a party, they were fully on board with that. And for any, like, I mean, I invite parties to parties daily. And so they were, they were really like, they were always talking about how like uh, materialist, they, they crave material things. And sometimes I'd go into like the house and they'd be like, loads of like Mama C to sitting around looking at a book. And I realized it was a catalogue full of fridges. And like, oh, how wonderful to have a fridge or TVs and stuff. And so they, you know, they crave material things, but their life in terms of like family, community, partying, it was spontaneous and it was fun. And it was like, it felt really 
more like they were living life to the max, even though they didn't re realise it. So it's always a bit like the grass is always greener. But yeah, I think um, it's definitely the case that that when when life is more heavily regulated, then it takes a little bit of the thrill away. And of course, of course, also it takes away the sort of risks for people who haven't got the opportunity to enjoy those thrills. But it just makes everything a bit safer, doesn't it? So yeah, there's there's a great quote that I heard from uh, I think it was a girl from Turkey who said back home, like the word home meant like all my community, like it was like huh? people here in Germany. She moved to Germany. Home means four walls. Yeah, like, that, that's basically yeah, the, yeah, the difference, yeah, yeah. right? And and there's many studies that are that linked that social factor to like a ha happier and healthier life. So when I think about it from that standpoint, maybe Finns don't really need that social interaction as much, or maybe they have their like set circle of close friends and and family, and they have that for life, and they don't go out of their way to meet new people. So maybe it works for them and their temperament. But I think overall, like socially, it's not a very open and welcoming country and i feel like people do feel lonelier in, in in general i think it's definitely due to the seasons like in summer if you came to finland in summer i mean there's loads of like festivals there's loads of parties it's like midsummer's like it's it's very sociable and you can go and sit at parks you can meet people and if, if you come in winter i mean to your your impression of finland and Finns is completely dictated to by the time of year you come because if you came in summer you would have a totally different impression of the country and the people than if you came in winter. I was there in October. Actually, yeah, that's interesting because I was I went to Stockholm in for midsummer and it was the the hottest week that they've experienced in quite some time. So I was like, oh man, I really like Stockholm. It's a I didn't expect I was gonna like it that much. Like I really didn't. But it was I think I just came at that right period yeah, of time. Exactly. I you mean know? Stockholm is a beautiful city. Stockholm's like a big Helsinki and I mean, if it's sunny, I mean, if you come to Helsinki, I mean, you came to Helsinki in October. It yeah. was horrible. It was like horrible weather, grey and miserable. But if you come in like July, then yeah, there's beaches, there's everyone on the beach, everyone's out sailing, like, I mean, it's just a totally, totally different vibe, basically. And like everything's different and there's like parties all night. So it's, yeah, it's like a party place, basically. It's, and everyone's picnicking. It's just entirely, entirely different. So, I mean, Stockholm's exactly the same. In fact, all the Nordic countries, Copenhagen's brilliant in the summer, um and they're all quite i think that i mean it's probably controversial to say because they all have a lots of like sort of inter rivalries but i think all the nordic countries share a lot they're a lot more similar than they are unlike exactly yeah speaking of midsummer uh was it was it your instagram uh real or was it i think it was yours where it was like because uh, i experienced midsummer in sweden which is like they you know uh run around the pole wearing white dresses but like finnish midsummer is someone getting drunk on a boat and falling yeah, off. That, was, that was one of mine yeah, <laughs> yeah that's a bit of a cliche bit of, bit of a stereotype but I, I went for it nonetheless and i love it yeah i mean i've never been i've never been to actually that's um I first shared that on my Facebook page, which is like, and it got like mad, it went madly viral on there. And um, a while back, actually. And <laughs> it's funny, it's like a bit dark humor, but every year there's like a, you can actually bet, this is quite dark, but I'll share nonetheless. You can actually bet uh, at the finish like bookies, how many people will drown in midsummer by getting just wasted and climbing on boats and falling in boats and every year people do drown because they just get absolutely i mean it's called, first of all midsummer literally doesn't really get dark at all so people go to the forest they party hard they go out in the boats because it's like you know it's loads of lakes and people drown and um 
I just looked that up while you were talking. Uh, On average, seven people drown each midsummer and about eight people lose their lives in different types of car or boating accident during the week leading up to midsummer and midsummer. Yeah, so it's it's quite regular. And actually, I I was at a midsummer party once and people thought I'd drowned, but I I hadn't. (laughs) (laughs) The end. (laughs) The proof being the fact we're chatting. But what happened was, bizarre, I was at my summer cottage and we had loads of mates around and it was we had a great party and I hadn't even drank much. I mean, I had a few bit, and I'm a good swimmer. I mean, I can cane, like do like one, two k, no problem. So, but I was, uh, I'd gone to the sauna. I jumped in, like we all go naked, obviously. I jumped in the sauna, I got swimming, and and I normally just jump in, swim around a bit, and then come back. But it was such a beautiful evening. The lake, it's quite a big lake. It was so tranquil and so quiet, and so, and everything was so silent. And I thought, I'm, and there's an island the other side, which is probably I don't know, maybe 500 meters quite a way and uh, I thought I'm gonna swim it I'm gonna swim that so I just cruised along like swimming over and I get to the other side and uh, I've had no clothes I'm naked on the shore on the other side I'm sitting there and I'm watching the other the my this cottage my cottage the shore of my cottage and I can see loads of people running around like and then then I was going oh people started kind of screaming and I was like, what's what's happening? What's they do? Then I realized they thought I drowned. <laughs> so I stood up, I started waving my arms, and then eventually someone saw like naked man on the island 500 meters away. And they came and got me in the in the rowing boat. And my actually girlfriend or wife, then I can't remember, she gave me so much grief. Because she all she found was a towel and, a, and an empty beer can. So she just thought I just sunk to the lake. So, I mean, it's easy to see why people, I mean, if I'd have cramped up, I probably could have drowned. But, like, even whilst I was crossing the lake, there were people just fishing, just rowing past me, not thinking anything of it. There's <laughs> me like, in the middle of the lake. How so, do you drown in a lake? You're really, yeah. And it's, yeah, I mean, it, it does happen quite, but I don't know what, I don't know what Swedish midsummer is actually like. So, it's a real sort of, and actually, I've had Swedish people say, well, ah, midsummer's nothing like that, blah, blah, blah. But uh, there's a, definitely a, a, a perception in Finland that Swedish people are like a little bit more, uh, Finnish people are a bit more earthy, yeah, and like Swedish people are a bit more sort of sophisticated or a bit more camp and a bit like Abbery and just, you know, a little bit more effeminate is probably the yeah. way of putting it. That's, that's what I was going to say. I was going to actually say, that I was going to use another word, but yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> especially like Finnish men. The gruff, silent Finnish man compared yeah, to like yeah, the yeah. metrosexual kind yeah, exactly, yeah. of Swedish man. Yeah, I don't know. I don't personally know how. I've got one of my best good mates here is like Swedish, and he's he's uh, yeah, he doesn't really adhere to that stereotype at all. Although I do know some. You know, I was in London. I did meet some more like metrosexual Swedish men, but I do think I think it's more city versus countryside. Do you know what I mean? If you go to the city in Finland, then you get sophisticated men as much as you do in Sweden. But like. It's countryside. You go to the countryside in Sweden, you go to the countryside in the UK. I mean, countryside people are different to city people the world over, aren't they? So I think that's more likely. But that is an in- it's a stereotype that's apt. I mean, in Finland, in Sweden, they just think Finns are just like mad, drunken, raging, like sort of barbarians. Whereas in Swe- in Finland, they think Swedes are like slightly camp, effeminate and a bit crap. 
So yeah, it's, it's it's interesting. Even you know, speaking of Brits, like the perception of Brits around the world. Because for example, in Europe, when you think of Brits, you think of people that are going to get pissed drunk, pee on something, <laughs> get into a fight, break something. You know? yeah. It's like, what do you mean? Like yelling at each other. But like, if you think of Brits in uh, North America, then you think of really posh, educated people. You know, from BBC. Like that's yeah, the impression. Yeah. It's just so funny how I I don't know why that's come about. I like. Because in Europe, Brits go on holiday in Europe typically, and the people who go on holiday, there are, for example, Spain. There's like a million Brits go, loads of Brits go on holiday in Spain, and going to Spain is very cheap. So the type of the Brits, it's like going to America's going to Cancun. Do you know what I mean? The people who go to Cancun are not the same people who are going to go skiing in I don't know some fancy ski place. So it's a sort of socio-economic type of people who go to Spain. I mean, I've been to Spain, so it's not like I'm being a snob or anything, but like. Like people go to Spain to get wankered and to party. And English people, when they get, they're quite loud anyway. And then when they get drunk, they're even louder. And then there's football. Like we love our football. I love football. And English and blokes, when they go abroad and support football, I mean, they're, they're you know, there are football hooligans in every European country, but we have a bit of a reputation and it has kicked off in the past because we like singing and we quite like fighting and we like drinking. So, I mean, it can kick off. So those are the people that most Europeans come into contact with but in north america you don't get those people going to north america you get the more like sophisticated uh and if you meet a brit it's more like they've gone there to work or live and they're going to be a different type of person so you get the more james bond-esque perception of brits whereas like in europe they see a different type of brit and so yeah i mean greek all the, all the mediterranean countries i mean we spend loads of money over there but we're insufferable i mean there's of course there are places that you can go where is a happy medium, but there's some horrible places in Spain. And it's not just Brits, actually. I mean, uh, Finns, Northern, all Northern Europeans, Germans. It's just that we've got, we're just probably louder. We speak a language that everyone understands. Uh, and in terms of popular culture, like, you know, we've probably had a more, yeah, we've got wider, I mean, there's more films about and music and all that sort of stuff. And also Brits, just by their relationship to Europe, is like, we've always sort of ignored it and like, you know, we're an island. We don't want anything to do with them. We're British. We're not European. So, yeah, we're a bit obnoxious, loud, annoying. So I think that's why. <laughs> so yeah, I totally I, understand it. I, I, I agree. <laughs> I mean, I've been to places like Magaluf in Mallorca, which oh. is full of actually both like Brits, Irish, yeah, Irish and Irish as well, and uh, also Germans, but they have their own little part where they get drunk and pretend it's Oktoberfest every right, day okay. of the year. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I've also been, I haven't been to Benidorm, but I've been oh, around Benidorm, that area. Right. Benidorm's what I had in mind, actually, when I was talking about horrible places. Like, I, Benidorm used to be a little, tiny little fishing village. It's, Benidorm was like Cancun. I mean, I've been to Cancun and I went there because I thought I'd check it. Um, I was in... Oh, I, can't, was it, I can't remember where I'd come from, but I was traveling around. I'd been to a cool place beforehand, really chilled out. I went to Cancun to check it out. I went there and I was there for about an hour and then I left. I was like, this is hideous. And it's exactly like Benidorm. Beautiful beach where you can't see the sand at all. Loads of high rises and, and both were like beautiful little fishing villages that were just totally taken over by Americans and by British. And like, you can go to Benidorm, never speak Spanish. You never even see Spanish. It's all like British hotels, British, British, uh, full English breakfast, English pubs. Everything's English. And a lot of English people, they like to go there because they just want to be sunshine on a beach. They don't want Spain. They just want Britain by the sea. And that's what, what Benidorm's like. So, 
Yeah. Well, when talking about parties and, you know, gatherings and things like that, what have you noticed in terms of like the difference between how Brits get together and how Finns get together? Is there any difference? I mean, in terms of like drinking, do I've heard this where where like everyone brings their own alcohol, own food a lot of times and like they're responsible for what they brought. They don't really share that with anybody. Is that true? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's like when I mean, the UK, there's a very different attitude towards like alcohol well i mean the uk is a different different attitude towards recreational drugs for a start so like you know in the uk i mean growing up in the 90s and there's just mad rave culture everyone's out getting wasted massive raves like i mean the whole selection of like recreational drugs were at hand for anyone who wanted them i go to my student union you can score anything you wanted it was totally normal you come to finland and like basically if you have a spliff then as far as you're there concerned, you'd be like a sort of junk, total junkie. Do you know what I mean? There's no, there's no sort of like, so parties in the UK are a lot less geared towards alcohol, I would say. And they're more geared towards like recreational drugs. Whereas like in Finland, yeah, it's very much more alcohol focused. Of course, yeah, Brits like to drink as well. And we absolutely, I mean, basically, I think when it comes to that, we're, we're well known in Europe for being the people who, or statistically, the most who do, do the most recreational drugs and actually, uh, probably don't drink as much as we used to. So in that sense, I thought that was quite normal until coming to Finland and seeing that basically, yeah, people, they just came, they came the alcohol. Um, and yeah, I think the, the whole sort of like, I mean, buying rounds, for example, you go to a pub and if I go to a pub and with my mates in the UK, I'd be like, my round, what do you want? And I just buy everyone drinks. And then everyone else just buys drinks. So we just never, people never buy rounds in Finland. And one reason is because it's like prohibitively expensive. Do you know what I mean? It's really expensive to buy a round. So, so I think they do like guard their alcohol a bit more and it's like their alcohol. Whereas in the UK, it wouldn't be like that at all. You just, you just take some alcohol or wine or spirits and just put it in the communal bar and then just do what you want. So maybe that's because alcohol is more expensive. Yeah. Maybe because... Yeah, maybe, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I've never really considered that why they would do it, but probably the expense has got something to do with it because, yeah, everything's a lot cheaper in the UK and a lot more accessible in that sense. It's interesting that I, I've actually noticed this trend uh, across all Nordic countries where people, um, you have apps like Swoosh in Sweden, but essentially like, you don't want to owe anyone anything. Uh, I think there is a real fear around being obligated to each other because you're supposed to be self-sufficient and take care of yourself and no one's supposed to baby you or or treat you in any way like so i feel like that's the self-sufficiency coming to play as well uh, except you know again of course like the the prices have a lot to do with it as well because it's so expensive i was in norway and we did a video and i was like okay guys i'm gonna treat you all to a beer so i went <laughs> and i see that jug of beer and i come back to them and i say they didn't have beer <laughs> Here's six glasses of water. And then one of the guys is like, oh, are you sure? Let me go with you. I'm like, shit. Busted. <laughs> yeah, I, like, I don't have the money for this. I'm sorry. Right. Yeah, Norway is insane. I've been to Norway only a couple of times, actually, when I crossed over the border from Finnish Lapland into Norwegian Lapland. And the first thing you notice is like in, in Finnish Lapland, it's quite beautiful, but it's like, it's like little hills. It's fens. And apparently my father-in-law told me that in the past, in, in northern Lap, in Finnish Lapland, they were like Alps. They were huge mountains. But during the ice age, they just cut off the tops. As soon as you cross the border into Norway, literally massive mountains, like really dramatic scenery, huge. In fact, when Finland turned 100, nor the high, in fact, the highest point in Finnish Lapland is, it, is like a low hill 
on a Norwegian mountain. So, so when Norway felt so sorry for Finland when it was 100 that they were going to give them a mountain just, just to give them a high point. But I crossed over to Norway and I went to like, I uh, drove around a bit. And I went to like a, a um, shopping centre and I got a hot dog. And I'm like, whoa, it's like 20 euros for a fiddly little hot dog. And I, as soon as I got that, got in the car, drove back to Finland because it's just like, it's just obscene. That's what oil does to you kids. I mean, literally, that was a fit. They were like, the Norwegians were the poorest out of all the Nordic countries. They were fishermen, find oil, and now they're absolutely minted. So, yeah, you can't go there. You can't hang out there because like, it's just ridiculously overpriced. Yeah, when I was going to Norway from Sweden, uh, a guy I was staying with, I was doing Airbnb, he said, bring a sandwich for every day that you're in Norway. <laughs> that was the advice from Sweden. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. yeah. One more thing that I wanted to actually get your thoughts on, I went to see this documentary right after going to Finland, actually. And I, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but it was about Finnish people singing karaoke. The whole documentary was people singing karaoke. <laughs> Is that a big thing in Finnish culture? Have you noticed that? Yeah, I mean, they're madly into it. And it goes quite, it's quite counterintuitive because as we were saying beforehand, they're not like madly like, like you don't, you don't see them as being madly gregarious and outgoing. So you, you wouldn't thought like performing publicly uh, like that would be something they'd be really into. But it is huge. I actually did a little bit of research on that for like 101 Very Finished Problems, the first book I did. And um, yeah, they've got a long and glorious history of it. They've had got karaoke in any, libraries, on trains, everywhere. And it's weird, actually, because I have been to a few karaoke. I mean, I don't mind a bit of sing song. I'm always up for that. Um, I'm not like, I'm no, I'm no sort of like, I haven't got the most angelic voice, but I don't mind giving it a go. But like, yeah, I've been to, I have been to like karaoke bars where it kicks off. It's quite tranquil. And then as the night, as the night picks off, there's people dancing on tables. Everyone goes absolutely mental to really bad singing. So it's like, but what can typically happen in my experience is you'll get like half a dozen, you know, these sort of like pro karaoke people who pretend that they're like, oh, they're just, yeah, I'll have a go. And it turns out they've been trained, like semi-professional singers, or they've been training at karaoke for 20 years. And by the end of the night, they're just totally monopolizing the whole thing. And they're just like singing it. Oh, I've got a mate like that, actually. And it turns out, and I was like, Dan, you're very good, man. He goes, it turns out he'd be like professionally trained and like professionally trained karaoke singer. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and his dad, his brother was in a band or something. So yeah, it's just it's just not what because like I've been to Japan as well. And in Japan and, and even in Peru, actually, they're quite into karaoke, but it's a very different like you sit down there, you sit at your table and you just you sing. Have the room. Yeah, exactly. But in Finland, it just goes mental. People just start dancing on tables. It goes quite wild. So and it is definitely it's definitely the case that it gets more wild uh, the later the night goes and the more drinks have been consumed, basically. So it's a, it's an alcohol combo. But there's loads of them. Yeah, loads of karaoke places. Yeah, I've been to a couple. Uh, a friend of mine took me to one. And I was like, I've n I would never assume that Finns are into karaoke. Like that, just as you said, it's completely counterintuitive. I mean, very reserved people don't talk to strangers. But they are all about singing in front of strangers. I think it's maybe a release of some form. Yeah, maybe. You know, it's, yeah. it's like that they they, they they normally like don't interact, but here they are. They had a couple of beers and they're like, okay, this is their way to let some emotion out because they lock it in so much. 
Yeah, that's a good point. I think definitely it coincides with the drinking. I mean, there's a, you know, we talk about British being like lagerlouts and kicking off. I mean, fish people, when they go mad, they really kick off as well. I mean, it's like, I think I think the extremes are more more like graphic. I mean, in the UK, we, we babble shit anyway, but it gives us a few bad beers, we babble shit and break stuff. Whereas like in Finland, I mean, they're more more sort of less inclined to babble shit. But then when they get beard up and go mental, they go mad. I mean, you go from the, the, bar, the boat from Finland to Sweden, which is called the sort of party boat, Helsinki to Stockholm. And people are so wasted and so late, and like really early on in the night. And they come back with like trolley loads, like leaning towers of pizza, pizza, pizza of beer, and just loads of free beer. And they like literally, I've had people vomiting in the corridor. The boat leaves at five, six, five thirty-five. There's people vomiting in the corridor outside. So they go full on. And it's like, I think um, that is also the releasing. They feel they can only really like, you know, go be outrageous and gregarious um, after a few beers. And I have a few theories about, I think, I don't know how valid this is, but I think a lot of that has to do, this is my own personal theory, so, that uh, during the Winter War, so the Winter War, it was quite traumatic for them. Loads of, lo- I mean, and a lot of lot of men came back from the, not like all wars, war is traumatic. And they came back quite traumatised and they were quite quiet and like sort of introvert after that. And they, and then so children to an extent learn from their parents and then children, and it's sort of like, it's almost like a learnt thing. So I don't really know. I think it'd be interesting to go back in time, say a hundred years and see what Finnish people were like. And I know, of course, they also typically lived in quite isolated settlements, but I do wonder how much of their introvertedness is learned and how much is actually due to nature. Do you know what I mean? Genetics. But yeah. yeah. You know, I wonder. I mean, I think the being that far north has something to do with it for sure. It's I, I'm always interested in comparing how cultures drink around the world because, like, if you look at the north, drinking is meant to be uh, usually not accompanied by any food, usually done fast and with a goal in mind, and the goal is to get drunk, lose inhibitions, and you know, stop overthinking. Whereas, like, of course, like if you go to the south of Europe, people drink usually smaller portions. I don't want to generalize because I know, of course, we have teenagers that drink a lot anyways. Like, and you have people that drink more. But overall, like, people have sometimes wine during lunch. You know, I used to live in Portugal. People would have wine during lunch, working hours. Yeah, yeah. Go back to work afterwards. You know what I mean? And and that, that was absolutely normal. And that was done with food, with company, with enjoyment, like some wine. But it was really hard to find hard alcohol in in portugal like most of it like you would see shelves and shelves full of wine but hard alcohol wasn't much of a thing right because the goal wasn't to get drunk it was to enjoy uh the wine and of course obviously they grow wine uh but if you look up north i mean like russia finland uh, sweden like norway you know denmark like they all drink heavily i would say and and i think it's it is because of that the reserve nature it's because of the climate uh and and as you mentioned i think the war as well like Finns told me a lot about the war and the trauma that they experienced due to the war so i think all of that combined yeah and i think it's a good point about the fact that portugal grows wine i mean here you can't grow great you can grow potatoes so you can you can grow you can do yeah. vodka and i think it's a good point i mean also it's just to warm you up i mean if you're free if, you know life here 100 years ago was must have been pretty brutal for most people so you should have a shot of vodka it warms you up, basically. Um, so in that sense, yeah, drinking is totally different. I mean, in the UK, it's a sort of a combination. Like when I worked in Soho's in London, and part of my job was to like take my clients out for lunch. We'd regularly go like restaurants at lunchtime, always get a bottle of wine, sometimes two. And we would get slowly wasted, but we'd be also eating food. And of course, we've got the pub culture as well. But we don't have as much of the shot culture, like neck and shots like they do here. 
Um, we're more like into beer, drinking pints and stuff. But here, yeah, it's very much like doing shots. I mean, I personally, I think it, alcohol is a bit of a crap drug. I mean, it's just like, you know, I don't be laying in my own vomit after two hours. It just, just doesn't really appeal to me. Of course, I've been there. I've done that many times throughout in the past, like, you know, when I was a kid and stuff and as I got older. But like, ultimately, yeah, the, the, the way I think the Nordics drink is more like they drink in the UK when you're a teenager. Let's get as absolutely as wasted as quickly as possible. But they don't really stop. They, like, as I've got older, I'm like, no, I'm not really interested in that as much. I'd rather do the sort of Mediterranean, have a nice glass of wine, maybe a bit of fizzy, and just like stay quite together and get a bit of a gentle buzz. But yeah, here it's just like, let's get absolutely hammered. And that doesn't seem to stop at all. Like even into like older age. That's what I'm talking about. You go on the love boat or the party boat thing. Doesn't not like it's not this is not just young people getting hammered. This is like you know, granny and grandpa as well, and the like older generations of people getting absolutely wankered. So, yeah, it's a weird, weird thing. And I think definitely the sort of the fact that you know, vodka and all that sort of stuff is is made here as well helps, but yeah, it's almost like just a dr- and the whole melancholy thing. Yeah, let's dr- let's drown our sorrows is really, really appropriate here, I think. Yeah. So when people glamorize, you know, Nordic countries to say, oh, they're so happy. I'm like, yeah, okay, there's truth to that. But obviously people wouldn't drink that much if that was absolutely the case. Like they don't drink. How can you drink shots of vodka for enjoyment? Yeah, I'm originally but... Russian. I know what it's like to drink shots of vodka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like it sometimes. Like if yeah, there's something mind, to yeah. it, you have some pickle there, you, you know, yeah, have yeah, some yeah. stuff with it. But like it's it's tradition. Like when people get together in Russia, like usually they'll have shots of vodka, you know, and and they have wine nowadays. Like it's not just like everyone sits around like a big stereotype and just drowns themselves in vodka. But uh, it, it's it's of course the fact that yeah, it's cold and and uh, and it helps you uh, warm up and essentially you don't die. That's I think one of the things as well. Like if you're homeless <laughs> and you drink vodka, probably better chance yeah, for you exactly. to survive, right? Yeah, 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 um, exactly. I mean, and not dying is is. It, you know, Finland was the last place in Europe to have a famine. So they were eating like tree bark and shit. So, I mean, you know, we sort of laugh about it, but dying really was a distinct possibility. And that's why they don't really have much homelessness here. Because if you're homeless here in minus 20, you do die. But I think that's a really good point you make out about the way Finland is branded as the happiest country. And I mean, currently Finland's got a pretty, has got the most right-wing government they've ever had. And they've got this like, this um, base Finns who are like very anti-immigrant, like, you know, need to say I'm no fan whatsoever. And uh, there are a lot of people, there are a lot of, I mean, they do like, and I've worked with like Finnish government, I've done like Business Finland and these ta- to, to try and encourage people to come and live here and, because they need foreigners. Ultimately, like they've got an aging population. They've got uh, literally, um, they've got two two options when it comes to the, the future of the, the Finnish society in terms of the welfare state and to keep it as well functioning as it is. They've either got to have more kids or they've got to have more immigrants. And they're not having more kids. So the other option is either you get poorer and your quality of life diminishes for your children and your children's children, or you have immigrants. And basically at the moment, it's like, yeah, they don't have, they don't, they're trying to, they're trying to sort of recruit immigrants. And there's a lot of people, there's even like influencers, they do like, oh yeah, Finland's amazing. It's so wonderful here. But they never highlight the shit and the fact that a lot of food, if you're from any ethnicity other than a European, you come here, you're going to get shit basically. Even in, I mean, in the cities, maybe less so. And of course, this is not just a Finnish thing, but it's to an, there are degrees of it in other places. But Finland's geographically and historically has been, you know, quite isolated from the rest of Europe. So it hasn't got the same sort of multicultural history that someone like the UK has got. So you're going to get a lot more shit here. And that's never really portrayed. It's never like you know, the happiest country in the world doesn't give the impression that you're going to get grief because you come from a different ethnicity when you walk down the street. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I find that a bit like it sort of winds me up. I think it's 
it feels yeah. like people should be a bit more honest about what actually Finland is like rather than paying it as this like wonderful Nordic paradise and like Oh, oh, I, 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 sorry to interrupt you. I, I, I get so frustrated reading art, travel articles in general. Like Lisbon is the cheapest place in Europe. I'm like, have you actually traveled to Lisbon? It's as, as expensive as Amsterdam nowadays, but like completely off. And speaking of right wing politicians, the Netherlands is another one that's it's up and coming. <laughs> the, the weird woman man. Yeah, <laughs> what, right. is what is it about like uh, neo like neo fascist right wing populists oh, having stupid hair? It's <laughs> like I don't understand it. What is that? Is that bloke in Argentina just been in being just been elected in? There's yeah. Boris Johnson. There's Trump. There's this Gert Wilders. What is? It? I mean, clearly I'm having to have any hair. Like, you should run for, yeah. for politician. <laughs> but no, that's super funny that you mentioned the fact that. Uh, I think going back, I think uh, we we mentioned first of all the fact that yeah, like Finns had to uh, prepare for the winter, and that's why there's like less homelessness. Like if you look at Latin America, of course, of course, people could just live day to day. So of course, that really plays into how uh, how poor people are and and how little they have. Like they, you know, northern countries tend to work more and more efficiently because they had to like yeah, historically exactly. right uh and it's also interesting that you mentioned the childlessness issue like a few years back i think there was like a huge problem in denmark where people weren't having any children and they created this series of amazing commercials i'll send them to you after after the podcast but they they were hilarious they were basically like uh go on vacation and have more sex your mom wants you to have more sex because she wants grandchildren <laughs> like they're really really great so they wanted yeah, to, yeah, yeah. to get people. and apparently it works i don't know oh, how yeah, much cool. it actually works but yeah it was yeah. like a huge thing because because in these countries you wait until you have you know two sets of PhDs, the wall painted yeah, pink yeah, 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 and exactly. all your furniture brand new and like all the finances taken care of for the next 10 years. But yeah. like somewhere, you know, in again, Latin America or Africa, it's like, well, you don't even know where you're living, but like yeah, you'll yeah, keep yeah. popping out children because you're not thinking <laughs> yeah. that far ahead, you know? Um, but that's interesting. I'm going to ask you a few more questions, but one of them is, I guess, what is the thing that you love the most about Finland and what has taken the most time to get used to and something that maybe you can't even fully get used to. Yeah. I mean, in terms of things I love the most, um, I mean, I actually really like, I really like, so I mean, this will sound really cliche. I actually really like sauna. I really like the whole vibe. And I'm actually, this just sounds a bit weird, but I think the whole mass nudity thing is, is a really like a good societal thing to have. And the reason I say that is not because I like hanging out with loads of naked people, but I just think like, especially for women, who've been given, dictated to by society about, like, how they should look, what they should aspire to be like. You know, I've got a daughter, I've obviously got a wife, and, like, just, you know, magazine covers. But you go to a, you go, my mum, for example, I came from quite a liberal family in terms of, like, nudity, so, I mean, I'd see my parents naked, it was no big deal. But, like, we didn't, like, have regulars, we never had sound or anything. But, like, uh, she went to a swimming in, in Finland, and she came out of the chamber, she goes, I have never seen so many naked women in my in one going what in one place in my life, and she was really quite shocked. And um, because in the UK you go swimming pool, we've got these little cubicles, people have towels and stuff, so we don't like you know you might get glimpses and flashes, but it's not like we're just wandering around. And I just think for women, when you go into a change room, you see that ninety nine percent of the women there have just very different bodies to what you see on a magazine cover. That's really healthy. I mean, you know, to an extent for men as well. So I think that is a it's a thing that, you know, I don't, I don't like, like hanging out with loads of naked people particularly, but like the idea that that is, 
that is that people have a greater sort of like understanding of what the human body is like and they get less like less concerned so yeah sound or like i really love summer cottage um i love just being able to go to the go to summer cottage and wander around naked actually <laughs> with my spear and flip-flops <laughs> massive beard or just like just like um yeah just living in the forest away from other people and chilling out and just that you know barbecues hanging out on the lake it's just really good for the soul and just and it's and the fact and the reason you can do that is because you have massive holidays i mean in july nobody works it's like incredible i mean the whole country comes to an end and also i mean that's an interesting point in terms of we're talking about why people have more children why they don't. i mean i think protestantism and catholicism have a lot, lot to do with that as well i mean like the protestant work ethic compared to how catholics you know i mean the protestant work ethic is like yeah in the past if you work harder, you go to heaven, basically. We don't have that in Catholic countries. And the same about procreation. So the fact that in Finland you have this massive holiday goes sort of against the whole Lutheran thing. But it's brilliant. I mean, you know, you go off, you don't expect anyone. I have done like sort of memes about the sort of going out of the, um, the I'm, out, I'm out of the office letters in comparison to North America with, with like Finland, where you're like, yeah, in in the in the US. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of the office. I'm having a kidney transplant, but you can call me in 15 minutes when I'm oh, out of the operating table. And as in Finland, it's like, oh yeah, get, you can get, give me. I'll be back in two months after I've come back from the forest or whatever. So it's just like, and it's an exaggeration, but it's true. I don't do any. And for me, when I came from the UK, because I mean, we're sort of uber capitalists as well. I mean, even getting two weeks off to get married for a honeymoon would be like, oh, you'd have to beg and scrape if you want to get extra. But here, it's like, and not only that, you have a month off. And then you come back to work and you get paid, you get paid extra. You get paid like double for the, for the, the holiday. So I can believe it when I first started about the benefits in terms of like work-life balance. So that is, yeah, that work-life balance, summer cottage. Of course, work-life balance is a bit different when you're an employer <laughs> rather than an employee. But like, nonetheless, those are great things. I really like the fact that the gap, like the UK is still quite riven by class. So... You know, like if you have, I can meet someone in five minutes and probably I can even sometimes quicker tell what class they're from. And if you go, I mean, if you take to public schools, which are for other people, private schools, 5% of the population go to public school, like Eton and Harrow and places like that. And they make up like 35% of the judiciary and journalism and like, do you know what I mean? They get all the, all the old, old, old boys network and all that sort of stuff. So Finland doesn't really have that. I mean, you've got like, Sormi Rutzleinen, who are like the Swedish-speaking Finns, who have a bit of a, who their perception is that they're like the, the sort of wealthier class, which is done sort of linguistically. But like, you don't have it in any way to the same degree. So I like the fact there's like a welfare state that functions. There's no really huge gaps between rich and poor. It's safe. Education system's good. I mean, these are all the reasons that people probably say they're the happiest country in the world. Do you know what I mean? They're quite boring. But when it comes to like quality of life not having people like dying on the streets, not having, knowing that people can go to university. No, you're not going to have, not going to have to remortgage or sell your child on eBay to go and have an operation. Knowing that you can go to the forest, like having a summer cottage, lots of people have summer cottages. It's not like, a, like in the UK, you've got a, a summer house or a summer cottage. You're typically quite bourgeois. Here it's quite common. Having a boat's quite common. Like you can all go to the forest. You can all pick berries. You've got this every man law where everyone can wander into anyone's forest and pick berries and stuff. So, yeah, they're all things I really like. And I really like summer. I love the summer. I mean, the summer is amazing. Like, if the summer delivers, I think 
I mean, I'm very blessed. I've been to many places around the world, many beautiful and amazing cities. But I think Helsinki in the summer is one of the greatest cities in, you can go. I mean, it's just got everything. So it's like it's chilled out. There's beaches. There's islands you can go to. There's all night cl- there's clubbing. There's bars, beautiful restaurants. Everyone's happy and buzzy and stuff. So, yeah, I love Helsinki uh, as a city like that. I mean, I'm from quite close to Cambridge, which has got a similar sort of vibe. Um, so there's that. What else? Rye bread, very specific. <laughs> I really love rye bread. Um, what else do I really like? Yeah, I mean, and I quite—I mean, I like the fact that people are comfortable with silence. I like the fact I can go into a room. I don't have to be like a juggling, like chimp, entertaining people. I like—I don't have to constantly be funny and entertaining and witty. Because, like, when I worked in London, I'd go into—you know—we had, as I say, worked in Soho quite very young sort of like company and everyone was like you know it's the end of the 90s dot-com bubble loads of money around everyone's quite obnoxious but like you go in there and as soon as you walk in bang people taking a piss out of you trying to like have this sort of banter and stuff and it's quite funny but it's exhausting to constantly try and be funny and entertaining and witty the whole time so i like the fact i could just sit there and say nothing and no one's going to take the piss out of me so that's that's nice um and what about any anything that's hard to get used to for you? Any one thing? Yeah, I mean the winter is hard to get used to. It's not even the winter; it's the darkness. I mean, we've gone we've gone full circle, haven't we? The winter is hard to get. I, that is that is when I'm at my most down. Actually, it's like, and I know it's it's the darkness. It's not even the it's not even the the cold. Actually, I don't even mind the cold. Is like quite hardcore, but it's a bit like it's quite invig- it can be quite invigorating when it's like minus twenty. Like whoa. And the snow is quite cool. And I like, I've even like, you know, got into skiing. I used to be terrible at skiing. When I first started skiing, my children would say to me, ah, Issa, you're like, you're so bad. Look, actually, they'd be like, oh, look, look, over there, dad, there's someone who's even worse than you. And I'd turn over, turn around, they'd be like an 85-year-old granny. just like falling My uh, finish, I've been here like, I should be absolutely fluent. And I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm, I can speak. And if I speak to you, you probably think I'm quite good. But like, as soon as we have a complicated conversation, then yeah, I'm rubbish basically. I mean, I can get by. I'm, I'm all right, but I'm nowhere near as good as I should be. And, you know, I don't want to blame the entire Finnish nation for my own inadequacies, but ultimately <laughs> it's all their fault. <laughs> but you know what though? Finnish is such a complicated language. And I, I think if you can learn it, kudos to you. I mean, even if it took you 10 plus years. Yeah. I mean, I threw myself wholeheartedly into it when I first got here. And I was like, I'm going to learn it in a year. And I got really into it. And I got pretty good. And I went to lessons, blah, blah, blah. But then I hit this ceiling where I realized that people, and it's still the same now, I speak Finnish and within a couple of sentences, people revert to English. Because basically, one, Finnish people typically quite like to speak English. And two, they think they're being polite and doing you a favor by speaking English. And three, they probably get bored at the speed at which my conversation is taking, unless they're five and in the sandpit, in which case I'm brilliant. But, but you're right, though. It's it's the fact that, like, if people speak English well, you don't have much of an incentive to learn another language. So it could be a little bit trickier. So we have a few minutes left. So I'm going to give you a set of questions that we're going to go through quick. These are from viewers that wanted to ask you these questions. Uh, so th- I'm going to go bulletproof for these. Okay, okay. so we have and five quick minutes. On, Let's quick go. Answers. Okay, go. Do people? <laughs> this is this is a funny one. Do British take their time to open up? Very general. <laughs> no. <laughs> Is the answer to that? No, they do not. They'll tell you their life story after about 30 seconds. 
So no, they don't take your time. I think it's your point of comparison, huh? If you're comparing it against like Mexicans, maybe, but like yeah, maybe, yeah, <laughs> compared maybe, to Finland, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah, compared to Nordic countries. No. What are the minimum expectations from uh, from a girl in Finland? <laughs> minimum expectations. In, in, Someone in really wants to go as low commitment as possible. <laughs> <laughs> what minimum expectations in terms of what they're expecting from a man? Yes. That's a good question. I think Finnish women are quite demanding. So I think I don't. If you're coming here hoping you can go where the fence is lowest, I think you're going to be in trouble, because like yeah, it's quite a sort of um, an interesting stat actually, which rarely gets mentioned in the happiness thing. Is that Finnish Finland has one of the highest levels of domestic abuse out of any, maybe in the EU actually. You should check me before you sort of uh, go. To, but it's got a very high level of domestic abuse, and I think that could be. Because Finnish women are so empowered, basically. Do you know what I mean? They like they don't take any shit. So I'm not saying that's an excuse to beat your wife. That's so funny. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? And they've had the first, they were the first, they were the se second country in the world to give women the vote after New Zealand. And they've had like Finnish prime ministers, Finnish presidents. I think they're the first place to have first country in the world to have a Finnish prime minister and uh an all-female government and stuff like that. So they've got a lot of Finnish women join the military, they're very like They're very boss women. You don't mess with them, basically. So, so domestic abuse is women against men or men against women? No, no, I, no. I mean, it, it, I think it's both, but I think it's predominantly men. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily. It could be women beating men, but I think it's more women, men beating women. But for I being, need to, for being domineering. Oh yeah, I mean maybe or just yeah. So I presume. Just I don't know. Yeah, it's weird, but that's not. That's one of these things. The sort of dark underbelly of Finnish society that's. That's rare, rarely mentioned, if ever. They don't like to bring that up. But, you know, I think um, I'm speculating again, but imagine with strong Finnish women and it's I'm not saying it's an excuse to beat your wife, but ultimately this that could be why. So, so yeah, if you're coming here hoping to get a woman easy, then you're going to struggle, I think. The, the expectations are high in terms of like the man has to earn a good living, that they need to have a high degree of education. Is that what you mean by high expectations? uh i don't know i don't know about that actually i don't know i mean as i say when you when we met the first time it was all like dating but i've never actually dated in finland I only dated a Finnish woman in london so i mean i think it's really interesting with your videos where you often go to countries and ask women would they rather have a, a native person in whatever country or a foreigner and quite regularly they say foreigner don't they i don't know if that's just like i don't know if it's more in finland but it's definitely oh, yeah. for example i have many friends from different parts of the world and i have a lot of english mates who are here because of finnish women and then women they met in the uk who came to uh, and who then brought them back to finland like me i don't i know hardly any i do know a couple i know a couple of finnish blokes who have foreign 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 girlfriends or wives but i don't know as nowhere near as many and a lot of the men who have foreign wives are like sort of Thai wives or stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, like Finnish farmers. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of that. I, 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 yeah. a lot of the people it's who are in this this neo this populist right wing anti immigrant party. There's quite a few of the people, the MPs in that, who have Thai wives, which I think is like an amazing like the hypocrisy. So, yeah, usually it's it's funny when I do these interviews because especially in Finland, I think uh, most Finnish women. I mean, I, I've only asked this question to a few, but they. They they had expressed interest in dating a foreigner, and I think it's because Finnish women are still more of conversationalists. They're still more open, whereas like Finnish men, they 
on the contrast, like they don't say much, they don't do much. They're just quietly there. <laughs> I don't want to generalize, guys, but like it seems like Finnish women, they, they have some romance in them. You know, yeah, they, they're you just crazy. Lost your you just lost your entire Finnish male audience. <laughs> <laughs> they're like gruffing away oh, boys. yeah off they go yeah like, so oh. yeah i don't know yeah of course i mean i mean i'm biased because obviously i've been getting together with a finnish woman but i think i think i don't know i mean i've got many finnish men friends who are gregarious and entertaining and fun but maybe it's just because i wouldn't be wouldn't be friends with someone who's like darling doesn't speak so i don't know it's sort of self-selecting do you know what i mean but yeah, I do yeah. think that Finnish women have a tendency to go abroad and meet like, and they go to au pairs or they study abroad. I've got no research to back this up. So maybe they equally go abroad and just Finnish women are more successful at pulling blokes when they go on holiday than Finnish men, which, you know, you know may be the case. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. And last question is, uh, do Finns show and express emotions? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they are, of course. It's like they're Dr. Spock or something. No, of course they do. They do express <laughs> They do express and show emotions. Uh, <laughs> they just maybe they're just not as exaggerated. I mean, if you compare them to like Italians or something, you'll get like absolutely go out of their mind if someone beeps their horn at them, won't they? So it's like, yeah, they have different levels of sort of. Um, they don't get as excited as easily as some nationalities. You watch Finns watching ice hockey, and they go mental. So there are certain circumstances where they go absolutely mental, and Midsummer and also May Day. We, um, yeah, Midsummer and Vapo, which is this like May Day, where basically, but typically when they go really mental, other than ice hockey, it involves getting absolutely wasted. So, yeah, there are certain times of the year where they go mental, and you know, we have like crayfish time where you celebrate, where you drink the snaps and vodka and sing songs and eat crayfish. So they show emotions, but they don't show them as easily as certain nationalities. Basically, anyone who lives in the sun shows their emotions more readily, I think. Yeah, that's very interesting. And a great way to finish the episode. We've talked for an hour and a half and it we could keep talking. <laughs> we could keep talking. Boy, isn't it? Look at us. Super. Look at us. I knew that was going to happen. There's guests that I have on the show where I'm like, oh man, can we talk for an hour? And then there's others where I'm like, <laughs> I know we can talk. And like when you when you when you were going to come on the show, I was like, we're gonna keep talking like this is gonna be hard to stop <laughs> are you already from like the time that i met you and just like yeah, we got into no, conversation. yeah it was so lovely to have you on the show thank you so much for sharing your experience with living in finland i love the sense of humor and i think we're gonna, people are gonna find it entertaining because like we don't take ourselves too seriously this was a fun conversation uh i don't think anyone's gonna get offended um but you know there's always that one person that might <laughs> <There> uh, always <laughs> is, yeah so uh guys if you want to check out joel's uh instagram page it's very finished problems and he also has merch which is hilarious if you have any finished friends and you want to get them a present then it's honestly it's great it's such a great present for anyone who has a sense of humor uh that uh, go check it out very kind yeah very kind yeah so yeah i also have tiktok facebook youtube and twitter actually so it very i've got all covered all the channels covered twitter books as well yeah twitter i'm a bit more controversial on it on most of my other channels i'm quite chill but i've got i do find twitter or x now which has gone mad toxic actually in the last few months so but yeah i have them all i mean if you search very fringe problems everywhere basically yeah. i'm everywhere so yeah well thanks very much for the opportunity it's great great fun and uh, always a pleasure so maybe one day i can have you on my podcast if i kick it off again yes let's do it let's continue let's we it. can talk for another two hours <laughs> a whole series 
<laughs> just a series of us talking for <laughs> babbling shit for hours and hours. All right, Joel, have a good rest of your really dark, dark day. <laughs> and see, see you another time. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, take care. And uh, thank you very much. Moi moi. Moi moi. <laughs>